BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This is the Pulse of St. Louis. Welcome to the Pulse of St. Louis. I'm Shirley Washington. You know, an aggressive effort is underway to encourage girls and women to pursue opportunities in science, technology, engineering, arts, and mathematics, also known as STEAM. The initiative is part of Maryville University's 2024 Leadership Series. And joining me now, Passion Bragg. She is a teacher with the Normandy Schools Collaborative and a STEM champion. Can't wait to find out about that. And Dr. Susie Nall, she is Professor Emeritus at SIUE. And Jamie Dolby, she's Development Director at Maryville University. Thank you all so much for being here. I appreciate it. Jamie, let's start the conversation talking about this leadership initiative and what it's all about and how it came about. So FORCE is Maryville's community-driven women's initiative. Um, our main goal is to bring women together from the community, on campus, really to bring them together under the umbrella of philanthropy, mentorship, and entrepreneurship. And we had the idea to launch uh, our inaugural leadership series, and we're excited about it. It's, it's been a great opportunity to highlight the many women leaders in St. Louis, and also uh, an organic networking opportunity for those that attend our series. And then, so how does the program work in terms of the mentoring aspect with the young girls and the women? So one of the things we learned is everyone is short on time these days. And so we took the approach of instead of pairing up mentors and you're with them for four years, we do a first Friday coffee mentoring session on campus. And so mentors, uh, actually women from the community and students on campus can come together and get paired up with a mentor. And when we think about mentors, we don't think it's always the adult mentoring the student. A lot of times the students can teach us things, whether it's about social media or different business initiatives or what's in and what's out. Um, and if they choose to continue that relationship, pass that coffee, they can. Um, but it's really a speed mentoring experience. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Dr. Nall, just give me a sense of what girls feel like as it relates to science, technology, Ooh. engineering, mathematics, and the arts even. How are they feeling about themselves, especially as it relates to those arenas? That is a great question, Shirley. And I have to tell you, as an early educator, it starts very, very early, age two, age three, age four. And little girls develop their image and their relationship to science and math as a result of media, videos, and probably most importantly, the adults in their lives, their parents, their family members, and if they're enrolled in an early education program, the adults in their life, that's where it really begins. And so what, what do they experience? Do they feel as if they are intimidated by science? Or are they intimidated by engineering? You know, that so there are so many dimensions that, that's a great question, that really influences if they're intimidated or if they embrace it. And one of the most important ingredients, I think, is the adult, the adult. Does our female-dominated profession really, do those women have an, a, a positive attitude 
and they're eager to play in the black area with the little girls and talk about architects and talk about engineers and talk about scientists, as well as having children's literature in the environment, whether it's the early childhood program or it's in the home, they have books that relate. So they see women in those roles. It's very important. That's how they develop their attitudes and impressions about women in science and math. And I think we are making headway and we're making a lot of progress because there are an awful lot of women who are doing phenomenal things in all of those arenas. Yes. Passion, give me a sense of what do you do as a teacher to inspire and encourage your students, particularly girls, to be involved in those areas? Well, exposure. I try to expose my students to a variety of dynamics that is going on with science, coding, engineering. Uh, at Normandy Schools Collaborative, we are committed uh, to opening those doors to STEM careers and, and involving our students in those things. We have STEM Saturdays, we have a robotics league, a Legos league, uh, in our GATE program, which is our gifted program. And our STEM Saturdays, um, they do a phenomenal job with the exposure. We have a partnership this semester with Parkway that, that, are, that is exposing children to coding, engineering, building roller coasters, all sorts of variety of things. So that really increases young women interest in the science industry. Sure, and you are a STEM champion. Tell me about that. You <laughs> <laughs> gotta give me your props. <laughs> Well, actually, I'm involved in the Maryville Forest Program. I'm a 1996 graduate of Maryville University. I was a, Mon a Monsanto scholar. Uh, I am a math and science certified teacher, middle school ed. And when the STEM champion came up, I was nominated for my district, and that's how, that's the story behind it. And now I teach computer coding. Mm -hmm. But this is my 24th year in education, but most of my years were spent teaching math. Nice, now how did you get involved in coding? That's awesome. Well, uh, a couple of years ago, our science coordinator, she saw something in me I guess I did not see in myself. <laughs> she came to me and said, Passion, we have this new program. You're just so passionate about the kids. You want the kids to know everything. You want them to have the latest. And I said, what is it? And she said, computer coding. I'm like, I'm not a computer science major. <laughs> she said, but you have the math and science, and uh, this would be perfect. And it was that was the turning point for my career. And what really sold me was my first professional development in this arena. The young man said, you are preparing students for jobs that have not been created yet. Mm -hmm. And I had to think back 20 years when I graduated from college, where Google, Google was just beginning. I remember putting the um, phone wire in the wall to do lesson plans, but I had to do it late at night because when people called you, you know, the internet, it was bonk, bonk, bonk. So when we developed wireless, I just thought I was in heaven. <laughs> so, right. you know, that resonated with me and I said, wow, okay, I, I'm gonna have to get on board with this. Yeah. Because I am teaching the smartphone generation. These children were mm -hmm. born with, with smartphones and I had to get with it. All kinds of technology. Yes, yes. and it's, it's phenomenal. Mm -hmm. It's, 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 it's a phenomenal thing and for women, we need to tap into our own gifts and talents. Yeah, so Jamie, I understand that the FORCE Leadership Series is actually developed along three key areas. Uh, yes, so we have four, we have four different panel. Uh, we kicked it off with the nonprofit panel um, in September and in December we discussed entrepreneurship 
uh, in February, we talked about healthcare <coughs> professions and women in healthcare, and we're excited to talk about uh, women with leaders in STEM. Mm -hmm. It's we try to make sure that we discuss areas that are everyone's discussing around the dinner table. You're talking about it at home, you're talking about it on social media, and we want to highlight the women in these areas and just put a reminder <coughs> out there that women can do this. And here are leaders in our own region that you can connect with, look up to, and really stay involved with. Dr. Noll, why is it important for women and girls to be involved in entrepreneurship and also philanthropy and technology and all these things that we're talking about? Well, I think both Passion and, and Jamie have mentioned the future. It's the future. It's going faster. And I really appreciate what Passion said about the young men and women, and now we're focusing on women, what, how we're educating them for jobs that don't even exist. And it's just multiplying. And I think, I'm gonna go back to what Jamie said about the mentor mentoring program, and really give a, a shout out to Maryville University with their leadership under Dr. Lombardi and Michael, uh, um, um, Margaret Onken. And I actually met with my mentee this week, and she was talking about all these options at Maryville, talking about being a mentor and promoting young women in all kinds of areas. So I said, well, now, what all are you involved in? And she said, well, there's um, a women leadership program. There's force. I had a life coach as a freshman, and I also am involved in a multicultural academy or something. So there's all these options, it's wonderful. And you know, mentoring is about a relationship. Mentoring is contextual, and every mentee really has a different um, goal, a different purpose, and it's very multidimensional. So mentoring is so important, especially mm -hmm. with young women related to STEAM that we're talking about now. And there's so many ways that it happens. And I think you're absolutely right. And I want to talk a little bit more about that when we come back. Got to take a break. Stay with us. We are back in a moment. <laughs> to hear more, listen to the podcast. Just search for The Pulse of St. Louis. Welcome back to The Pulse. We're talking about Maryville University's Force Leadership Series and the importance of empowering girls to participate in science, technology, engineering, arts, and mathematics. And Passion, I want to talk about the perspective that girls and women bring to these areas and these arenas. Tell me about what you've discovered. Well, I always think back when I was still teaching math, I had a competition with some young, young men and some young women. I gave them four math problems and I told them whoever gets finished first, you get an extra bonus. Well, the boys were all on one problem. Then the girls, they just passed them along. Each girl did a problem. We bring a different perspective and we bring a different type of talent to the table when we're talking about STEM. No uh, shade to the young men, but women, we, we can handle things. We can multitask better. There's things that we can do. So that's why we need that talent. We also need, um, things like force because we need that mentorship through the process of getting to be in those careers of engineering, science, math. Because again, we bring a different perspective, but research shows 74% of middle school girls are interested in STEM careers, but, less, but we graduate less than 25% of them in college. Hmm. So we need those mentorships to encourage to support through that process. Yeah, Dr. Nall, tell me about the importance of being a mentor, your mentor. 
What is your experience like? Well, I think that uh, mentoring is contextual, which I mentioned, because every young woman that I've met through examples like um, The Force at Maryville University has a different career path, they have different interests, they have different backgrounds that they bring. So I think it's up to the mentor to uh, pull that out of the mentee. How can I help you? How can I guide? And some are so self-motivated, they just want to talk. Right. And others really need some guidance. So it really depends upon the person and, and following their lead so that we, know, we don't go into the relationship with a mentee that we assume we know what they want. It's about listening and developing that relationship with that individual student. That's a good point. And Jamie, give me a sense of how does Maryville University, through these various programs that the school offers, pair young people with mentors? Uh, so force, the FORCE Council and force, uh, the FORCE program in Maryville we pair them up through our first Friday mentoring and also just coming organically. They can call my office and things like that. We also have a women in leadership program on campus and we submit, the students submit what they like, their interest, and the faculty and staff do the same thing. And so you really are, have an opportunity to get paired the right way. But if the pairing isn't the best, there's always opportunity for movement. And we are student first, we are a student first organization. And so we know that just because you're not in a mentoring program on campus, it doesn't stop you from sitting down in the dining hall and having a conversation with a student. If you see someone kind of having a difficult time uh, across the quad, we stop and engage, we really have uh, really organic relationships with each other on campus. And I think that's led by the leadership and we're, we're given permission to lead like that in our individual roles there as well. And speaking of leadership, when is the Force Leadership Series this year? So our next event is April 2nd at the uh, Bayer Studio uh, at the Nine Network. And we will actually announce the new series um, topics that day as well. So we are doing some exciting things. Uh, we are excited to continue to bring Maryville into the community through various ways like Force. Uh, so it's gonna be an exciting panel. Uh, Passion is on there. Uh, another alum, Crystal Riley Stark from MasterCard. Uh, Missouri Cures, Dina Ladd, and uh, the Education Commissioner for the State of Missouri, Marjorie Van Steven. So we are doing some things that I think that Maryville is no longer the best kept secret in St. Louis. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a secret anymore. We are really uh, a force. Yeah. Dr. Lombardi has been here several times. Yes. I know, I know all about it. Yeah. I know all about it. So what should people do if they are interested in attending this event? So if you're interested in attending, you can go to www.maryville.edu slash force uh, and sign on there. Uh, you can also call our office. We also have a great opportunity for any student in the St. Louis area, whether it be high school or college. It is a simple phone call or an email uh, to our office to make the introduction. We will make sure that your students can enjoy FORCE uh, complimentary. And all the funds raised for our FORCE Leadership Series actually go to our Women in Leadership Scholarship Fund. And we are doing an amazing uh, job with the student that's receiving that scholarship. She's darling. Uh, she is actually going into early childhood education. And so it's given her an opportunity to really excel without having the financial burden that a lot of students do carry. Absolutely. <laughs> Passion, tell me how exciting is it for you to be a part of this panel and a part of this event? 
it, it is very exciting um, considering Maryville is my alum. I'm an alumni of Maryville. Different place. It has always been a laser-like focus on academics. And it has always provided support. But I think now in 2020, it is very, very diverse. So they have a pool of talent that can support students and see students be very successful. So I am very excited to be a part of this movement. And um, I am very with, glad to have you guys here. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for what thank you're you. doing. Thank you. Now straight ahead on the pulse, this. August 9th. Something else happened on August 9th when he was born. We'll tell you about St. Louis Superman, an Oscar-nominated documentary. Stay with us. We are back in a moment. Welcome back to The Pulse. The Oscar-nominated documentary entitled St. Louis Superman shows how Bruce Franks Jr., a battle rapper, became a community activist after the fatal shooting of Michael Brown in Ferguson. It also shows how he became an elected official who managed to pass critical legislation that declares youth violence a public health epidemic. That was fun. The Oscar-nominated documentary entitled St. Louis Superman shows touching moments with Bruce Franks Jr. and his young son. Black fathers exist. Uh, we're not some mythological creatures um, that, that aren't around. And the intimacy shown with, with my son and my daughter um, in, in the film, that's very important to me. It's about the story and being from St. Louis and telling our story and all the things that I've been through and we've been through. Um, I always speak in the we um, and the us because it's never been just me by myself. And so this is not only big for me, but it's big for St. Louis. It's big for activists across the country that do the work. It's big for battle rappers. It's big for like every single realm that, you know, that I feel like I touch. He write balls, I write bills. In the beginning, I just wanted to rap. <laughs> that's, that's all I used to want to do. And I mean, life life happens, and through everything, uh, you know, outside of outside of bringing Michael Brown back, I wouldn't change none of this from the, for the world. The film also shows how Franks went from being a battle rapper to a community activist after the fatal shooting of Michael Brown. Ferguson has been in turmoil after a white police officer shot dead, an unarmed black teenager. And we don't get it! I saw me, my son, and all the youth that I mentor and felt like this is my time to stand up. The movie underscores the support Franks gets from members of the community who call him Superman and encourages him to run for state representative. Franks was elected to represent Missouri's 78th district in 2016. It was one of the best things that ever happened to me. It was one of the worst things that ever happened to me. Um, being able to represent my community, being able to show people that, um, you know, you can come from the community and represent your community. You can be your authentic self. Um, you know, you don't have to compromise. You don't have to go through a lot of these things that um, you you commonly hear from politics in order to get things done. Uh, so that was the most amazing part and being able to represent the community in which I come from. The hardest thing was, um, you know, just being ridiculed and attacked for doing the work that I'm now getting praise and recognition for. 
um, is, you know, it's, it's hard going through that and then dealing with life at the same time when you're trying to represent entire community, uh, life doesn't stop happening around you. And so trying to balance those things uh, with your mental health and with making sure you just stay healthy physically and mentally, um, you know, all those things are hard. Garnering bipartisan support, Franks passed a resolution that declares youth violence a public epidemic. This gun violence conversation has to be centered around the communities that are, are most impacted. And when we talk about root causes, um, you know, a lot of these these uh, policies and things being talked about and pushed forward aren't going to help our community um, curb gun violence. And so we need to change that conversation so it can impact the most those who are impacted most um, by gun violence. And we're talking about lack of jobs, um, adequate education, alternatives um, to conventional education, um, as well as undiagnosed mental health issues that we need resources for. Um, when you talk about gun violence, it's a public health epidemic. So it's about changing that entire environment uh, where that gun violence is happening. Um, not just that one-on-one -on -one with the, the perpetrator and the victim, um, but those victims and those perpetrators' families, those communities, those schools, those, those places around. So you got to take this holistic public health approach. I feel like I got my PhD in gun violence. Um, having to go through so many funerals, um, you know, hundreds and hundreds of funerals, having to, um, you know, the PTSD that comes with gun violence, the ripple effect that comes with gun violence, um, you know, this idea that, you know, that you could have a, a city of 299,000 people and lose 200 people a year, you know, on average for the last couple of years, um, you know, it's devastating. Franks stepped down from office July of 2019 to tend to his physical and mental health. As my last time talking on this floor, I'll say what I've always said. There comes a time when you do something, not because it's political, not because it's safe, not because it's popular, but because your conscience tells you it's right. This idea about mental health and what mental health looks like and it being okay to not be okay and kind of be vulnerable about uh, your mental health struggles. Um, and, and getting help, especially in the black community, because there's been a stigma. Oh, I'm doing amazing. I feel I feel great. Um, you know, life is a lot different now. Um, mentally, I'm more sound. Mentally, uh, I'm just okay. I'm ha I'm happy. I'm healthy. I I um, wake up every day and just you know I'm grateful. Um, and just being able to see myself like at a hundred, like see myself at a hundred percent, to be able to look in the mirror and actually recognize the person that I'm looking at, um, is one of the most amazing feelings. One, two, three. Got him. Being a mentor to young people is one of Frank's greatest passions. We say our young people are our future, uh, which it, it starts to sound cliche, but it's the truth. But how many of us are showing the youth that they're our future? Uh, we tell them that all the time, but we're not giving them the love. We're not giving them the hope or the consistency that they need um, in order to see that future through, especially when you come through communities, come from communities like ours. Um, so being able to provide that love and that consistency and that hope, um, because when you got hope, um, you know, those young people, they'll push forward if they see hope. If they see a reason to push forward, they'll fight through anything. Those young people, they are our next leaders. They are our next activists. They are our next teachers, 
they're our next everything. And so if we don't invest into them um, and don't pick and choose which young people we invest into, um, invest into those ones who come from the challenging communities, who come from marginalized communities. Battle rapping is one of many things that is keeping Franks busy these days. I'm battle rapping full time. I'm starting back up the organization that I started 28 to Life. Um, gun violence prevention organization. Um, I am, you know, got some business ventures, uh, traveling, everything, whatever pops in, in mind. Um, and working with policymakers for peace, um, concentrating on elected officials that of color that represent communities, um, you know, most impacted by gun violence and helping them with resources and getting to the root cause of the problem. Um, that's one of the bigger things that I'm doing right now. Can you spell your name? S-U-P-E-R-M-A-N. And of course, he's proud of the film, St. Louis Superman. I'm excited that, you know, kids that look like me, that come from where I come from, um, that have gone through all these challenges and barriers, like they'll get to see it. And this idea of um, like superheroes you know, from communities just doing regular work. And Frank says MTV plans to release St. Louis Superman in theaters nationwide soon. Thank you so much for joining us for The Pulse of St. Louis. Remember, if you missed any part of the show, download The Pulse of St. Louis podcast in the iTunes or Google Play stores. And remember, for News 24-7, download the free Fox 2 and News 11 apps. I will see you next time.